You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about REM Document. On the line, I have Rob. Hey, buddy. Ben. Hello. And Kyle. Hi there. Document is the fifth studio album by the American rock band REM. was released on August 31st, 1987 by IRS Records. The producer was Scott Lift and REM, and the genre is alternative rock. I'm going to read from the book, Rob Morton. In the early 80s, when REM were merely a band, not a legend... Their jangly guitar pop earned them a following, but it was not until their fifth album, the 1987's Document, that Michael Stipe, Peter Buck, Bill Berry, and Michael Mills announced their plan to change the world. The first line calls it, quote, The time to rise has been engaged. Finest work song. With its propulsive bass beat and stadium-ready chorus, what kicks off is arguably the last great side one of the vinyl era. It has one killer song after another, from the bouncy power pop of Exhuming McCarthy to the insanely catchy free association wordplay of It's the End of the World as We Know It. True fans have that one memorized. Everyone else just pretends they do. The second half starts with R.E.M.'s first hit, The One I Love, a song comprising a single repetitive verse and a one-word chorus. It was enough to make R.E.M. a household name. From there, the album drifts into much odder territory with its buzzing waltz of Fireplace and the hypnotic ballad of King of Birds. Document was the first of many classic albums Scott Liff would produce for R.E.M. Gone are Stipe's indecipherable murmurings in their place, intriguing images like the course of Exhuming McCarthy, quote, You're sharpening your stones, walking on coals to improve your business acumen. After Document, everyone was in on the R.E.M. secret. And it still sounds great today, no doubt, because it influenced so much in its wake. All right, what do we think of REM Document? This is one of my favorite records. I thought it might be. This is the REM that I uh, I wanted. So, okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. I got it now. Yeah, this is, I'm an REM, man, I guess, how can I call myself an REM fan if I wasn't that familiar with Document? Uh, but I considered myself an REM fan, and somehow I was missing document no, no i reached out to you guys like a little bit ago because i had to double check i had to make sure there wasn't like an episode i missed no nope. uh, this is only the second rem record only yeah. the second i mean no we, reckoning no fables no life's rich pageant like that's wild to me that's wild i have a feeling we've still got several coming up though we'll, we'll probably I think there's like two more right monster automatic for the people do you think we'll get green or out of time green Wait, and monster. automatic is monster okay no yeah monster. i was gonna say <clears throat> monster does not belong on there yep I like Monster. Monster, no, like, Monster's great. Mo- Monster era was like when I was 
a young man getting into the band. I, I didn't know much about him before. Well, I guess maybe automatic for the people, but really, really that when stuff came out for monster, that was when I started to notice him. This record's awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. I've, I love this record. Like I said, I'm shocked the other ones aren't on here. Cause I don't even like murmur that much. Um, I mean, it's a great record, but uh, yeah, but this book goes, we've talked about it before. It goes There's always with, the exigence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. always, but sometimes not at all. So right. I, I, fair enough. Nah, it, it, it just jumps all over. It depends on who was, who was on REM duty that day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I picked up this record in, in middle school. Um, you know, I know a couple of you guys had older brothers. I did not have an older brother. It was my job to get, you know, into the alternative cool records. And yeah, I remember picking this up uh, in middle school and just, I listened to it so many times and just, it's one of those records that you get older and you listen to it and you're like, Oh, those harmonies. Oh, that jangly guitar. Ooh, that Mm -hmm. saxophone solo. Like, uh, yeah. And even sexy saxophone (laughs) solo on fireplace, a fireplace. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. (laughs) Honestly though, this week, what I caught myself saying was, Oh, that goofy piano glissando at the beginning of Strange. <laughs> sure, Strange. Is a <laughs> I thought it was really good. Uh, always liked REM. I don't know why I never just kind of dove headfirst into REM. There was always something like a little bit that I was like, "Yeah, REM's great." Like, sure, but I, I've never gone like straight through every single one. Document was always on, you know, always playing though. This is yeah, amazing phenomenal album and i think once they got past this era it is the power pop you know rem that a lot of people are familiar with um yeah this is when they broke through and you know for a while they were the biggest band in rock and roll i mean yeah i couldn't believe how popular um doing the research you know they were in 87 i mean they were they were next to the names of you know michael jackson madonna you know like all the Mm -hmm the biggest names because we were kids it, like nothing popped up on my radar until um uh, it would i guess it would have been uh i don't know not i guess, I guess the first time i i heard them was uh that chris elliott show oh stand stand uh, yeah the song stand off of green yeah, yeah. That, that was the first uh first time i i reckon i recognized rem um and then uh the automatic for the people, uh, whatever songs mm-hmm. were off of that, I, I recall. But yeah, th- this uh, th- this was a first listen for me, um, and I was surprised by uh, like how many of these songs I did know, and I was mm-hmm. I, I was excited that uh, the uh, track one side B was an absolute banger. That's a uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the one I love. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that that song is just one of the things I love about REM, and one of the reasons why. I try to stay away from like lyric sites because everyone just gets in fights over what Michael Stipe is saying or trying to say. But the intrigue of this record, like the vibe is just, I don't know, like the one I love, you listen to that song. It's just, it's like one verse repeated, you know, in a one word uh, chorus fire. Um, The guitar is foreboding and like the vocals are angsty and like yearning. And it's, it's definitely not a love song. Oh um, no, it is not a love song. Mike, yeah. Michael Stipe kind of cringes when he hears uh, people play it at their weddings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. But it you happens. know what? If you want to read it as a love song, it, it works. It but, works. Uh, it's uh, yearning. It's got desperation. It's 
tinge of like, sadness and a, a simple a, a simple, simple prop s- to occupy my time. A, so, yeah, yeah. This one goes out to the one I love. A simple prop to occupy my time. And then the last verse, uh, another prop has occupied my time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not a love song. No, not at all. It's a it's a fuck you song. Yeah, it's dark. Uh, I did learn this week. So that iconic uh, guitar riff in uh, the one I love, you can play it with one finger. It's a one finger on the fretboard riff, kind of kind of like Blister in the Sun. Oh. it's it's mostly open strings. You, you only fret like two of those notes. That is, uh, yeah, that line. It's it's like I don't know. It's like my girl or something like mm-hmm. no 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 yeah yeah it's mostly open this one goes out to the one i've left behind a simple prop to occupy my time this one goes out to Uh, how do you how do you guys feel about the them getting lumped in with the political bands? Because this was <laughs> they found themselves at the center of you know being a political band, quote unquote political band, but they had never sought that out. It just happened. Is it because of the end of the world, like the song be- "The End of the World"? A lot of this record is about McCarthy, the Reagan administration. Ooh, yeah. yeah, finest work song as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's- yeah. I mean, the whole album is about like work, like American work ethic and toil mm-hmm. and Reaganism and Reaganomics and Southern Gothic weirdness. Um, they're, they're like Southern Gothic, the band. Yeah, they they yeah. aren't singing Pour Some Sugar on Me. No. So, you know, I, I, I guess <laughs> it's the bare minimum for a political like uh, being lumped in with the political bands. But who the fuck were the political bands at that time? Like. Dead Kennedys, Melon Camp, you too. Me- yeah, you can say Melon You know, I mean, the album after this had Orange Crush. That was a pretty overtly political song for R.E.M. Yeah. <laughs> I I definitely didn't see the also talking about other bands. I didn't see the Tom Petty or Smiths connection to R.E.M. before this week. I don't know why, but it's that okay. jangle. It's the jangle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The jingle yeah. jangle guitar. Well, <clears throat> and I think more than that, Michael Stipe's. His phrasing and his clever use of, you know, words and talking about relationships, but not in a like in a a little bit of a mean spirited way, I think also resonates a bit with Morrissey's like strange, Mm -hmm. strange lyricism. Sardonic and opaque. And plus, yeah, plus the backing bands are so tight, like great. Yeah. And we got to talk about these. uh, these, Yeah. The vocal harmonies. Oh, yeah. Man, Mike Mills. Mike Mills. And Michael Stipe together. They their voices together. It's like Leuven Brothers blood harmony. Maybe you said they're both named Mike. When I w- when I was a young man, before I totally nerded out and learned everything about every album I ever listened to, I would listen to REM and it would just it would sound like when people overdub their own vocals. You know, like when people sure. no, it, it's their voices have such like a either it's either a similar timbre or at least a complimentary timbre that when they're together it just sounds like one instrument. Yeah, it's so yeah, cool. it sounds glorious. It sounds yeah. like milk. Yeah. It's so goddamn good. I just can't get over it. Yeah, neo birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I could hear that. 
way more enjoyable. Yeah, more <laughs> enjoyable to me. <laughs> I would also like to say that my my very 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 first impression after hit and play on this is man, the drums sound huge on Finest Work Song. Yeah, yeah, they sound really good. What did you guys think about Lightning Hopkins? It grew on me. It, it took me a couple of listens before I was like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting little stew. Yeah. Yeah. It has yes, a, it is. It has a strange place. After the one I love, it, it takes a bit of a detour. The album, <clears throat> I have a feeling that with repeated, repeated, repeated listens, I'm going to grow to love side two. But it's been a busy week, and I've been listening whenever I can. And I'm still at the point where the album kind of drops off a little bit for me after the one I love. Mm. Yeah, give it some more listens, Ben. I will. I will. I, I I can tell it's there. It's just there's not that much really to hang your hat on. After uh, sexy sax man, you can hang your hat on <laughs> those those tones yeah. all day long, sir. Do you think they actually got the guy from Lost Boys, or did I just hear that? <laughs> I I like to think <laughs> Tony Capetta. <laughs> That's the guy. That's the ticket. That's right. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I did want to say that's. You know, talking about the tracking after the one I love, that's the right place to experiment, though, in in my yeah. opinion. 100%. Because no, you're, it, it is. You already, you've already hooked the listener. You're already in. Like, you're totally in. And then, okay, fireplace, let's throw a saxophone in there. It's a little, and then going into like, Lightning Hopkins, you know, you kind of, you do want to take a detour and then bring it all back home at the, at the end. If Side 2 didn't have the one I love in it, I would think that it was too front loaded and I, I i would think if it was like an actual vinyl copy i don't know how often it would get flipped to get to know that that second side mm. but i think like with, with that that mega hit leading it off you know now, now now it's already spinning now you're just listening to it you know it's true we're listening to uh the world as we know it i had never knew where those lyrics or where that idea came from michael stipe said it was a dream where I was at Lester Bang's birthday party, and I was the only person there whose initials weren't LB. So there's Lenny Bruce, uh, Leonard, Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein. And so it was just a lot of stuff like uh, you were seeing flipping TV channels, collection of stream of conscious. I thought that was so That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah it, it wasn't until this week that I realized all, the, all of the names he mentions in that song are LB initials. Yeah. A couple of years before... Uh, we didn't start the fire too. So definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but, but several decades after subterranean homesick blues. Yes. Yeah. He, he saw that as a definite, uh, continuation of the Dylan sort of stream of conscious yeah. element. Thank you for bringing that up, Ben. Um, when I saw REM, uh, live, it was in 1995 and the opener was Radiohead. Ooh. And it was Ooh. about a week before the Benz came out. Wow. Oh, what a good time to see Radiohead. So I was like, oh, we got to sit through Radiohead, huh? You know, thinking <laughs> of the, the Creep song and their first record and the open of My Iron Lung. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously. <laughs> I know that we'll talk about it in, in good time, but I think this might be an unpopular opinion, but the Benz is, I think, still my favorite Radiohead album. Wow. I love that one. We were arguing the other day about OK Computer, uh, Kid A, and Amnesiac. They're, I mean, they're all genius, yeah. but I I think that Radiohead has evolved so much as knob tweakers, but to me, they were always a killer guitar band. Yeah. 
And and I think the Benz was their best guitar album. Yeah. It was their best guitar album. 100%. Yes. Speaking of great guitar albums. Yeah. Let's talk about Peter Buck. Yeah. Peter Buck's guitar on this record is fucking iconic. Like, yeah. Seriously. Every every single member of REM is carrying their weight. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's like Voltron. It's like the. Seriously. Yeah. It's like the sum of the parts are greater. (laughs) It's just like, yeah. First track, final work song. Peter Buck's playing like barely a one note, you know, intro and it just. Mm-hmm. grabs your attention it's just intense he's a tone dude you know it yeah. he, he's a tone dude he's inspired by you know like that that the british invasion guitar scene he yeah. even if he's just playing one note it's it's good to listen to it's like a it's like a neil young one note you know? mm-hmm. yeah that's i mean i i feel like more than any maybe more than any other band, the fact that they share the songwriting credit, uh, credits, the royalties, all that stuff, you know, is all split between them makes perfect sense. Cause fantastic. Absolutely. It's kind of like the police, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, there are some bands mm-hmm. that are just completely equal, equal parts and, and really make it together. You're making Andy Sumner's blush. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, REM did lose their drummer in like what ninety eight. Yeah, and and and, yeah. and have they had a no? He became a like a potato farmer. He became a farmer. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, but has I don't there, like this so much? REM has had a good career since eight ninety eight, but has there been a classic REM album that you can't do without since ninety eight? Um, I kind of like. Uh, I think it's called Accelerate. No, it's not Accelerate. It's one that came before it. Up. There's one that I like from the early 2000s, and then I was I kind of dropped up after that. Is it up? No, it's not up. That was the 98 record. Oh, that uh, was that the last Bill Berry one? That was the one after he left the band. Okay. First one without him. I thought it was really weird how they broke up, too. <laughs> Peter Buck recalled in a, a 2011 interview, we were doing the last record, uh, Collapse Into Now. We hadn't make, made an announcement or anything. We just got together, and Michael said... I think you guys will understand I need to be away from this for a long time. <laughs> and I said, how about forever? And Michael looked at Mike and Mike said, sounds about right to me. And that's how it was Oof. decided. Wow. That, that is the most amicable breakup I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the kind of breakup that's easy to reunite from. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, it's if, true. If all three of Without you animosity just kinda, and... if all three of you are just kind of like equally burnt out like no offense but i want to do other things and everyone else is like yeah kind of yeah that that's that's totally fine last album that i was into by rem was reveal which i actually thought was a good record um after that they had around the sun which is like terrible and i was like "Ooh, dudes and they had an okay like anti-bush angry record after that and then i got this thing no i i i think that i i I dropped off after reveal kyle i remember up i had i bought up on cd i was yeah as much as as much as i love 80s rem 
I had to go backwards to get 80s REM because I was turned on to REM in the 90s and I was a 90s REM fan before I was an 80s REM fan. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, I did the same thing. I got into yeah. them without a time and I went backwards, you know, in yeah. middle school. I got into them with automatic and went backwards. I remember watching an episode of Saved by the Bell after school one day and there was an automatic for the people poster in Zach Morris's bedroom. It, <laughs> And I knew the name REM because they were a big stadium band at the time. But I remember like just seeing that like that pointy cube and thinking like, what is that? That's cool. And and like that's awesome. I, I kind of sought them out after that. So thanks. Thanks, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I know we'll talk about it. But yeah, I did buy the automatic for people tape like the day it came out. It was a digilog tape. Remember those? Oh yeah. Digilog tape. I don't remember those. What's a digilog tape? It was a cassette tape that was mastered from a digital source and it had a little sticker on it that said Digilong. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a selling 90s. point at the time. Yeah. You know, that's actually a selling point for recording nowadays, too. <laughs> dump the tape. That's how uh, dump the yeah. tape and then get it mastered. Mm. So I thought Welcome to the Occupation sounded kind of birdsy, which is not a bad thing for me. I, I like the birds. And I thought that Exhuming McCarthy was very uh, Brit poppy. It feels like in it seems like in the early '90s there was a big resurgence of the Brit pop sound, like you know, with Blur and Supergrass and and mm -hmm, all those bands. Mm -hmm. But I, I I didn't know like the way Exhuming McCarthy sounds. It to me it sounds like a song from like '93, not '87. I guess. Yeah. You know. Way ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that song's definitely kind of an anomaly on the record. I agree. And by sounding like 93, I mean sounding like 65, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's crazy, too, that they were so locked in. This is their fifth album, right? So they, yeah. they'd mm. just been developing the REM sound. How time. much, this, this is an honest question. I wrote down this guy's name, and I don't know that much about him, except that he worked with this band starting now. <clears throat> How much of R.E.M.'s big success from Document moving forward has to do with Scott Litt, who is their producer on this one, moving forward. Well, Scott Litt, I mean, he worked with Nirvana, too. Scott Litt was kind of a like studio genius back in the day. He was like a hit maker. I noticed they're no longer recording with like that old buddy from Raleigh that they knew or whatever. Right. And I think I think this, this kind of, um, just hearing it in this record from previous records that it goes to show that you know there was something really special about that collaboration he did green uh out of time automatic for people monsters new adventures and hi-fi after this so yeah it it seems like they're that's that's a classic run that that's is like the, that's that's it. like the king, the kinks in the late 60s right you know that that's just a classic run and i think it's one of those things where sure you can prefer the the lo-fi sounds of earlier rem right that's that's also very fun and and has its own unique mystique behind it but when you're thinking about polished commercial records i mean it's scott lit what what nirvana did he do uh i think he did was it in utero he remixed the singles up in utero yeah that's what oh okay okay cool i i, I need to learn more about scott lit uh, i i guess just by doing this project, I have, I assume we're going to learn more about Scott Litt. I'm sure. 
So I guess I won't go out of my way. I'll just wait until he keeps on showing <laughs> up. Scott's going to come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking again about the lyrics for uh, the world as we know it, Stipe did remember writing the lyrics while the rest of the guys went out for dinner. He said it was pretty much done by the time they got back and Peter hated it. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, uh, he finally gave in and allowed it on the record. He said, uh, thanks. Thank God. We always have each other to convince ourselves how wrong or right we can be. And he said, he got me back with the electrolyte. So apparently Aww. Michael Stipe didn't like electrolyte. But. <laughs> Re- oh, that's a great anecdote. Electrolyte's one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah. I I see Peter Buck's point. You know, uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. We have the perspective to know it's a huge hit. It yeah. does, it, it, it kind of... I can see that being irritating. Yeah. Somebody brought yeah, that to me. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's definitely a break from form for the band at this point to do a song like that. I could see where he could think maybe it was gimmicky. I could see, yeah, I, I can, I can see his side of that. Yeah. You know? I can see him being like, tone it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enough. I could see him being like, how about a jangly guitar solo though? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Love REM document. Mm-hmm. This is so fun to go back and listen to. And just absolutely kind of like treat. think more about rem and in 1987 i just yeah definitely contextualizing when it came out yeah i never think about them as a you know 80s band for some reason it's always that that 90s feel to me but uh stadium rem yeah stadium yeah. rem uh you guys got anything else just christ gas review if you want it yeah I yeah i'll hear I it do. yeah uh, their commercial breakthrough eschews escapism without surrendering structural obliqueness. And after six years of mush mouth, I wouldn't have thought it possible either. Maybe they finally figured out that intelligibility doesn't equal closure. Can't actually. Or maybe they just wanted to make sure everyone knew how pissed off they were. In any case, these dream songs are nightmares of a world in flames. The kind you remember in all their scary inconsistency because you woke up sweating in the middle. How it will all end, I can't say, but it's a healthy sign that their discovery of the outside world has sharpened their sense of humor along with everything else. Inspirational title, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. A. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Price yeah. with an A. Price yeah. gal. He was not a fan of Did the... a little uh, fake out there for a little bit. Yeah. Hey, calm down, Kreisgau. Yeah. He, he, he really did not like the uh, the earlier stuff. He doesn't uh, like the mumbles. Yeah. He must have liked think. him a little bit to give him an A. Come on. Like, well, he, well, he... This he is the breakthrough. This, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. for Murmur, he thought they were like mumbling darlings and he didn't have time for it. You yeah. know? Yeah. He needs to fucking listen to Reckoning again. Like, <laughs> like go shake his old bones and <laughs> put on some fables. God damn. Uh, so all on the positive. I'm assuming. Hell yeah, man! This oh is yeah, great. yeah. No, yeah. this is. I'm so happy yeah. you guys like this record. I highly recommend listening to Document. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, wish... an Ari... I'm, yeah, I'm not an REM completist by any stretch of the imagination, but just about every one of these songs is great. So yeah, yeah. get into it. Yeah. I wish I had started here. I started a few albums after this, but this is the REM that I I, I know and love. Yeah, this is the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, Kyle, would you say as an REM, you know, fan, would you say this is a good one to just introduce them? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I'd say this is a top five. This is a a great place to start. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's easier to get into than Murmur or like Fables. Um, you know, the two big hits off this record are just phenomenal. And I think the one I love is probably the, a really great song to start R.E.M. You know, if you've never. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful song. All right. Mm-hmm. Next time we'll be talking about Prince, Sign of the Times. Mm. Thanks, y'all. You're better.